0: Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of 2 Thessalonians. We are currently in chapter 3 at verse 6. Hi, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today. Let's begin reading, why don't we, right away in verse 6 of chapter 3 of the book of 2 Thessalonians, where Paul writes this. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have the right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. So in the middle of chapter three is where we are, and this uh, paragraph brings up some very interesting and uh, very practical ideas here, uh, and uh, and yet we find them very important not only in the Thessalonian congregation, but perhaps in the practice of uh, the way we do things in our churches and the way that... Uh, we expect things to be done and uh, perhaps uh, we need some adjustments along those lines. And that's why it is important that... uh expositions of the scriptures uh, be presented in this way so that we can go through uh, verse by verse and see them all in their context and and uh, these verses are not to be just lifted out as some sort of cliche or some sort of pro- proverbial uh, quotation uh, even though they might uh, from time to time lend itself to that kind of um, uh, that kind of appreciation but But for the most part, when it comes to Paul's letters, uh, it is important for us to to look at it in a context. That means we need to see the passages as they flow together in a a presentation, and that's what Paul is giving us. Uh, Chapter 3 is the third presentation, you might say, in our outline, the way we have formed it here. Uh, Chapter 1 has to do with the circumstance of their persecution and the uh, general uh, exhortation there was was waiting with courage. The uh, second chapter had to do with prophecy and the fulfillment of prophecy, and the encouragement was uh, watching with composure. Uh, Now in this third chapter has to do with practice, or you might uh, call it behavior, uh, actions, how these actions play out in daily life. And uh, that means working with commitment. And then, of course, the chapter 3, ends with a signature at the end with the last two verses. Uh, We will not get that far in this episode. Uh, We will only uh, um, concentrate on the paragraph that uh, we have read uh, earlier. But but uh, beginning chapter three uh, had to do with Paul's confidence in them as a congregation. But it was the, his confidence was actually placed in the Lord because it is the Lord that is faithful, according to verse three. And uh, then he gives a command because he said earlier in verse four of chapter three, he says. Uh, 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 we have all confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. Uh, Not often does Paul give uh, orders or give commands, but he uh, he does from time to time what it is important. That's the reason why we want to cover this. This was an order. This was a, it was a command based upon an order. If you want to put it that way, uh, and that's uh, what we want to get at. Now, uh, later on, verses 11 through 13 is the conf- confrontation that Paul gives to this congregation, but also to uh, those who are violating this order, violating this, this command. And then uh, there are some consequences to bear in verse 14 and verse 15 gives a caution, a general caution to close out uh, the main body of this epistle. So that's that's where we find ourselves then so paul wants to give this command it is rooted in his own tradition and his own example. It also has a rule or an order that he gives here, and uh, that's where we are uh, in this verse six. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul wants to bring the authority and the lordship of Jesus into the room. He wants to make the master uh, in control of what he is about to say and the reception of what he's about to say is under the uh, the rule of Jesus himself. And notice that, that uh, 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 Jesus is still known by that name in heaven in his resurrected body. He is still called by his human name. That's because he is living a human resurrected form in heaven. He is also known by the Greek word uh, uh, that is uh, the title uh, Christ. Uh, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It is it is the Greek word that refers to the uh, the uh, stature or the role of Messiah, the Anointed One. The Hebrew word uh, Messiah, and uh, so that and he is also Lord. That means he's our boss. He is our general boss, our spiritual boss. He is in control, and so Paul brings him and his presence and his role and his name to bear because uh, the name of a Lord. Jesus Christ is to bear upon our behavior here. Uh, what that means is, It's more than just chanting the name. It it is the fact that, that we represent his reputation. And that's what's at stake here. The reputation of the Lord Jesus is at stake in our behavior, in our daily behavior, in the way we establish our priorities and our activities, and in this case, our work. And we'll get to that in a moment. And so it says here, though, Uh, that uh, he calls them brethren. And he gives them some uh, command about uh, what they are to do in relation to those who lead an unruly life. I want you to throw back a little bit uh, in verse 1. Notice uh, Paul calls them brethren. This is Paul's affection for them as a part of God's family. And then uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 4a is his confidence in the Lord that uh, they will do what he commands them to do. And that confidence is is an indicator of Paul's expectation for them and so Paul as a leader lays out his own expectation for them and it's not a blind expectation it is one built upon the uh, uh, the, the reputation of the the Thessalonians beforehand and uh, so it is something they have uh, uh, themselves uh, given as a as a part of their character and Paul recognizes that Um uh, and that they will continue that means that indicates that uh, the willingness of the Thessalonians to cooperate in this this whole endeavor here as a local congregation and so uh, one of the ways in which they are to cooperate is this idea that uh, they are to keep away from uh, every brother who leads an unruly life—that uh, way, that word uh, "keep away" has to do with stay clear. This is not an absolute censorship, you might say, or a formal excommunication, but some sort of a social restraint uh, from from normal association and normal fellowship, and maybe even normal. Uh, 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 group meals, uh, like we would have uh, uh, church potlucks, uh, these people should not be invited to that uh, because a meal taken together is is a show of a certain level of uh, of trust and of identity and of uh, identification with each other, a, a certain amount of of, uh, of respect, a certain amount. Of of accountability, and so all of that is is involved in Paul saying you should keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life. Now, the New International Version translates that as as idol. And, uh, that, uh, idle, and that I D L E, not uh, I D O L, uh, but. Uh, it's a military term, and it literally means to break rank, to be out of place, uh, translated uh, later as undisciplined. And uh, Paul uh, says he didn't lead an undisciplined life himself, and he is encouraging the believers to stay away. Don't, uh, don't involve yourself with people who are living an undisciplined life. They are living idle life. Uh, they are out of rank. They uh they don't know what it means to to live a disciplined life. So he's he's basically telling them. And in fact, uh, this isn't new to them as a congregation. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 14, he 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 closed the book basically with these instructions. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, because it was already creeping into this group of people, that uh, certain ones were acting as if they deserved to be supported by the church. And uh, and, and he goes on to say in verse uh, Thessalonians chapter five fourteen we we urge you brethren admonish the unruly encourage the faint-hearted help the weak be patient with everyone so there is a general demeanor that the uh, uh, that the congregation should take but there is also a very. Uh, a very important role that they have to hold fellow believers uh, accountable for their lifestyle and for their their work. Um. And, and yet, and yet, uh, notice that uh, later on in chapter 3, verse 15, there's an interesting phrase, and we'll get to that in a, in a different episode, but it says, uh, yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Uh, these are not enemies, but it does mean that uh, we don't just let them continue to just slough off their life and not carry their responsibilities, especially their personal responsibilities for them their own upkeep and for their own uh, uh, support. And so that's part of what uh, he's getting at here. He says, uh, who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you receive from us. So Paul already um, said earlier in this book, in chapter two, verse 15, he says, stand firm and hold to the traditions. And this is one of the traditions that uh, the believers should support themselves. They should work at a job and earn money so that they uh, they don't live off the, the generosity uh, of other people in the church. And uh, that's exactly what's going on here. And, and so that was a tradition. It was a tradition that should be carried on, uh, which you receive from us. Paul says, this is something that you've already heard. You've already had it. You've already seen it. You've already witnessed it. Look at the verse. Verse 7, for you yourselves know that... Uh, um Uh, how you ought to uh, follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. Paul offers himself as this example and they were very much aware of Paul's behavior when he was there in that congregation and so he exhorting them based upon what they themselves saw in Paul and his lifestyle. Well, we'll join you again uh, right after this musical interlude. Welcome back. Again, we are in chapter 3, verse 7. He says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. And uh, uh, this is such a fascinating insight to Paul's heart, but also into his practice, uh, because his practice was based upon certain principles he felt were important, especially when it came to money being exchanged for ministry. And, uh, and so that's what he's bringing out here in many regards, that he himself is an example to them. Uh, uh, because he said early on in this very book, in first—that uh, that is in the, the first book, excuse me, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6 uh, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord having received the word in much tribulation with joy of the Holy Spirit. And so they were already following his lead and so that's part of being a leader is having something to follow. And so Paul is basically saying, you know, what I am giving you isn't just doctrine that can be passed on in a classroom or from a pulpit. What I am giving you is my life as an example. And and that's part of the discipleship that I am making with you. And you are to follow that as a part of your tradition. And uh, it's a very fascinating look at that because of what Paul did among them was just as much a part of his ministry as what he said among them and so it says that he didn't uh, he didn't live in an undisciplined manner and that he uh, did not Uh, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. Now, he's not saying he didn't take a meal from time to time with various people because of their own generosity. That's not what he's denying, but he is using this as a general principle. He did not come into this congregation expecting them to support him with their money, and uh, so he worked hard so that he could support himself. That's what he's getting at here, and that's exactly the part of his life lifestyle that he's giving to them as as an example, as someone to follow. Uh, He'd said so in many regards uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you want to flip back uh, back to that passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says some very intriguing things that causes us to realize of uh, some things about Paul's relationship to his congregation here. It says, for you yourselves know. You see, Paul lived his life in such a fashion he can call upon the congregation to witness what they know and what they saw in Paul. Paul was not just a sermon preacher who uh, came out uh, and g- gave his presentation on stage and then went back to uh, uh, whatever else he, he needed to do in the privacy of his apartment or in, uh, in his hotel room. And, uh, all you knew was his 30 minute sermon or his 40 minute, uh, messages or his, 10 uh, minute uh, presentation as if it was just a, a stage, uh, um, uh, the stage presentation that he'd memorized and, and gotten together. Not that it, perhaps he didn't do that from time to time, but that was not a part of Paul's main ingredient of his discipleship. It was his lifestyle in this case. And that's what he's getting at. Um, and, and he's he's making an appeal to what they themselves saw in him as a part of his argument here. And again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, you yourselves know. Verse 2 uh, includes uh, this phrase, as you know. In verse 9 of chapter 2, he says, for you recall. You see, just scan on down. Look, in verse 10, he says, um, you are witnesses. Verse 11, he says, just as you know. No. And so um, uh, Paul uh, makes his argument in the first epistle based upon this relationship. It is based upon how transparent Paul was in living out his motives in front of his, the people he was serving. And in this case, ha- he was offering himself now as a model, as an example. And that's what he says. Uh, he didn't eat anyone's bread without paying for it. And again, this, this uh, may have certain exceptions but this is his principle. His principle was to pay for his own upkeep. Uh, He says, but... uh, uh, but we, with labor and hardship, kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. This night and day thing uh, was a part of the way Paul worked. He would minister as as uh, as the ministry would present its uh, opportunities, perhaps in the daylight hours, perhaps in the early morning hours, maybe in the, in the evening hours, but then he would work in the late evening uh, when everybody else would be in bed, perhaps, and he would work uh, maybe something like a third shift. Shift. And and that's the work that he would do to support himself. And uh, we know that he he made tents, and uh, he he worked with fabric and sewed fabric, and and uh, made uh, made tents. That was his his sideline business, you might say. And yet that's the way he chose to support himself in certain ways. And uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine, for you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so as not not to be a burden to any of you. And so he repeats the same principle. Paul uh, uh, was committed to this principle. He was committed to this as a as a as a uh, as an example. He wanted them to see what what it meant for a Christian to work hard with their hands and pay for their own rent, pay for their own uh, upkeep, pay pay for their own meals. He didn't want them to find him as an example to just slough off and live off the generosity of others. That's what he's getting at here. So he's saying, uh, we work night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you. And he says, not because we do not have a right to this. Paul understood that generally speaking, this is, is, is to be expected. Paul isn't, is not downplaying the other principle. The principle is that, uh, preachers should get their living from the gospel. And uh, that's he, so he's not denying that. He's not changing that. He's just saying, in your case and in my case, I'm committed to this principle. It's almost an opposite thing. And, and, but he doesn't want people to think that by reading this, uh, that uh, that every Christian or every missionary or every uh, preacher or evangelist or itinerant uh, uh, worker in the lord's work uh, shouldn't expect the lord's people to support them and the lord's people should expect to support them and uh, so he's not denying that and he's not covering that up he's not replacing it he is just saying there are options and I exercised my option for a reason uh, he's he went quite uh, quite lengthy into an explanation in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'd like to read that passage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 14, Paul writes his argument this way, Or do uh, only Barnabas and I have a, a right to refrain from working, who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it, or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? I am speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about the oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things? Things from you. If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly at the altar have their share from the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. So Paul in this passage isn't denying that. He's just saying, I am an acceptable here, and there is a reason for the exception, but don't go around trying to impose the exception as if it is a new rule. I, I have a reason for this exception, and he's about to get into it. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 uh, verses 17 and 18 even goes further. He says, The elders who rule well are to be considered of double worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So Paul makes the same argument about that particular principle of supporting Christian workers. And yet, in this case, he says, but in order." to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. This was Paul's purpose in this case in this congregation. He didn't do it in every congregation but he did it in some for reasons. And so uh, uh, so he's this is something that they should recognize as something familiar. And, uh, and so he's offering himself as an example. This is what it's like as a Christian in a community to earn his own living and not just slough off and live on, uh, live off the sheep. Uh, he's not there. He's there to feed the flock, not fleece the sheep, you see? And so he says, for even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. So Paul is living by, his own order in this particular case with this uh, congregation, and so uh, this is another military term, and uh, and he basically lays it out. He says, if anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either this is a this is a concrete principle and yet many have violated it they violated it in uh, in the sake of uh, some uh twisted definition of love or grace or something else but it's not love or grace to continue to perpetuate uh, uh, something that is unruly something that's undisciplined and uh, again uh, Paul isn't against uh, supporting the poor supporting the widows supporting those who cannot work for whatever reason but in this particular Case, this is not uh, what's going on. These people are lazy. They're busybodies. They're going around doing ministry-looking things, but and they are expecting people to support them. But. Uh, but, uh, they are basically just lazy. That's all it is. And they're not willing to, uh, to live a ruly life, a disciplined life of work in order to earn money and support themselves and pay their own bills. And so he says, if they're not willing to do that, then they shouldn't be allowed to eat either. Uh, you know, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 26 says this, a worker's appetite works for him, for his hunger urges him on. We, we have forgotten that principle in many regards it is important for us to realize that grace m- means we are motivated to do the right things to follow the right things and to be the right testimony and that includes being responsible being disciplined supporting ourselves so that others will not have to have to support us just because we're we uh, aren't willing to work you see, in First uh, Timothy chapter five, verse eight, it says, "But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever." So there, Paul raises this principle of supporting yourself, of getting a job, supporting yourself, so that others in the church won't have to. And he raises it up to this uh, the, to this elevation that it's uh, it uh, to fail to do so is like uh, living. a the life of an unbeliever. Well, uh, I don't know about you. I don't want anyone <laughs> accusing me of doing that. So th- it is important That uh, we uh, give a right testimony, practicing the right things in our lives. And in this case, Paul was laying it all down on the line, so to speak, so that he could model this for others to follow. And this was how important it was for Paul to understand that believers should learn how to get their hands dirty or learn how to support themselves in an honest job with hard work, whatever that might be and that was important to Paul and that's the reason why he lays this out and he's not done yet Uh, we'll get to that in the next episode Father I thank you for these moments together in your word give us wisdom and understanding in the way that we practice our lives, in the way that we get up in the morning, in the way that we go to bed at night, in the way that we invest our lives, in the lives that uh, you've placed under us. And um, we pray that we would be responsible people, supporting ourselves and our families according to your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed this presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.